Anyway, if you have the Lord's Word tonight, if you would turn to 1 Samuel chapter 17, a really familiar story. I just want to draw out a couple of lessons as we read through this passage of Scripture together. 1 Samuel chapter 17. Beginning in verse 1. Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle, and they were gathered at Succoth, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah in Ephsdamon. And Saul, the men of Israel, were gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah, and drew up in a line of battle against the Philistines. And the Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. And he had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. And the weight of that coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. And, uh, and he had a bronze armor on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron. And his shield-bearer went before him and stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not the servants of Saul? Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight with me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him then you shall be our servants and you shall serve us. And the Philistines said, I defy the ranks of Israel this day. Give me a man that we may fight together. And when Saul and all of Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed and greatly afraid. Let's just stop right there. We're going to cover the rest of it. But let's do, let me just make some observations. The Valley of Elah was... Uh, a vast canyon of about a mile wide at the bottom of the canyon. There was a stream bed that evidently this time of the year was dry uh, because that's where David's going to pick up some stones in a little bit. Uh, Goliath, the Bible tells us, that gives us his measurements as uh, being six cubits and a span, which means he was about nine feet, nine inches tall. Now, in a day and time when most everybody was probably less than five feet or very, probably most men were a little over five feet tall, but not much. Uh, that was a significant difference. He was about twice as tall as anybody, probably except for maybe Saul, because the Bible tells us Saul was head and shoulders above the other people in Israel. So we don't know how tall Saul was. He probably was not as tall as Goliath. You can imagine how menacing he must have looked. Even standing on the other mountain on the other side, as everybody looked at him, they probably, they looked like grasshoppers compared to this guy. So he was huge. It talks about his coat of mail. It basically weighed somewhere between 175 and 200 pounds. Now, you, can you imagine carrying that into battle on your body? But evidently, it was no problem for him. He was able to wield that, that armor. Uh, the head of his spear literally weighed between 20 and 25 pounds. That's a pretty heavy spear that you would have to toss at somebody else. 
The odds, of course, would have been greatly stacked against any man that went up against Goliath. Now, who probably should have gone up against Goliath? King Saul, of course. He's the biggest guy there. And uh, Saul was renowned in battle. He had won many battles. He was God's chosen king. Uh, He could have depended on the Lord, much like David did. But you know as well as I did do exactly what happened to King Saul. Uh, He turned away from the Lord and really attempted partial obedience. And partial obedience is always really disobedience. So God had rejected him as king, and David has now been anointed as king, but you know it's going to be a number of years uh, before that actually takes place. Saul uh, did not go out to battle. In fact, we're going to read here in just a minute what he promised he would do. But notice what happened when everybody in the army heard Goliath's words. What happened? How did they respond? They were literally afraid. They were shaking in their boots. They were dismayed. That's what the Bible says. Uh, They lived with fear. Their fear, this happened every morning for about 40 days. You can imagine how their fear must have been building every day. Have you ever dreaded doing something? And you just keep putting it off and you're putting it off because you don't know if you can do it or you're scared that you might not do it right or... There's fear of what may happen if you try to do it, and so you simply don't do it, and then you put it off. For, and the fear, just what happens? It just keeps getting bigger and bigger every day, doesn't it? What happens oftentimes when you tackle that particular item? You realize you really didn't need to be afraid of anything, right? But I don't think that was the situation with Goliath. But, but our fears, you know, our fears over the last year, what's happened? Many people have... have all kinds of fears. Whether they're rational or not doesn't really matter. They're fearful. And so we live in a day uh, where I think we could be described like this army right here, that we were dismayed and the fear continues to grow. And so let's read uh, in verse 12. Now David was the son of the Ephraite, of Bethlehem in Judah, named Jesse, who had eight sons. In the days of Saul, the man was already old and advanced in years. The three oldest sons of Jesse had followed Saul to the battle. And the names of his three sons who went with him into who went with went to the battle were Eliab, the firstborn, and next to him Abinadab, and the third was Shammah. And David was the youngest. The three eldest followed Saul, but David went back and forth from Saul to feed his father's sheep at Bethlehem. For 40 days, the Philistine came forward and took his stand morning and evening. So here we're introduced to young David. If you remember, if you go back and read part of 1 Samuel, you will find that David was chosen because David was skilled on a harp. Once God had rejected Saul as being king, a spirit of depression would come upon him, uh, and he would mope around. And so they found somebody who was skilled at playing the harp to come, and that that effort at playing the harp would alleviate uh, Saul's despondency. Probably, uh, 
as it says here, David went back and forth. We don't know how often. It could have been as many as three or four years since Saul had seen David. Uh, he's probably 17 or 18, so that means if he'd been three or four years, he would have been 13 or 14. I would imagine David had grown significantly in those three or four years. Young men usually do grow a good bit between the ages of 13 and 17. So David could, I mean, because we're going to find in a minute, basically Saul, it doesn't say that he doesn't recognize David. He really just wants to know who his daddy is. And we'll get to that in a minute. But David was a shepherd, a shepherd of the sheep. And as his father asked him to do, he went uh, to deliver some food to his brothers to find out how they were doing. And so, as you can well imagine, can you imagine being a parent back then? They didn't have cell phones and they didn't have uh, telephones. and They didn't really have probably any letters. Uh, they didn't know if their kids had been killed in battle or not until somebody came and gave them the news. And I'm sure that Jesse finally got tired of waiting on, because this has been going on for 40 days. You would think, you know, 40 days, usually the battle's over with. It doesn't usually last that long. And so I'm sure uh, Jesse was beginning to get concerned about his three oldest sons. And so he sent David, who had known Saul or knew who Saul was and hadn't, would, would know some of the people around Saul. So he would be able to easily get to his brothers <clears throat> without creating any problems for them. And so Jesse said to David in verse 17, uh, take your brothers an ephah of this parched grain and these ten loaves and carry them quickly to the camp to your brothers. Also take ten cheeses to the commander of their thousand. See if your brothers are well and bring some token from them. In other words, he wanted to know news about his sons and his boys and how they were doing and how the, how the battle was going. Now Saul and they and all the men of Israel were in the valley of Elah, Elah fighting with the Philistines. And David rose early in the morning and left the sheep with a keeper and took the provisions and went as Jesse had commanded him. And he came to the encampment as the host was going out to the battle line, shouting the war cry. And Israel and the Philistines drew up for battle, army against army. And David left the things in charge of the keeper of the baggage and ran to the ranks and went and greeted his brothers as he talked with them. Behold, the champion Philistine of Gath, Goliath by name, came out, upon the rank, came out of the ranks of the Philistines and spoke the same words as before. But this time it was different because it says here, And David heard him. All the men of Israel, when they saw the man, fled from him and were much afraid. Their fear has been growing now for 40 days. And it has gone from just being a little bit fearful and being dismayed to being much afraid. And the men of Israel said, Have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel, and the king will enrich the man who kills him with great riches. And he will give him his daughter and make his father's house free in Israel. In other words, his father's house will never have to pay taxes again in Israel. I might go fight Goliath if they told me I didn't have to pay taxes again. Sometimes I think the government gets more of my paycheck than I do. Y'all ever feel that way? Anyway, but uh, David said to the men who stood by him, And what shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? For who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? 
And the people answered him in, a, in the same way, so it shall be done uh, for the man who kills him. They told him again what they had just said. Now Eliab, his eldest brother, David's eldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men, and Eliab's anger was kindled against David. And he said, Why have you come down? And with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? I know your presumption and the evil of your heart, for you've come down to see the battle. Now, you remember, David did not choose to go to the battle by himself. He was simply sent by his father. Would you say David's older brother was jealous of him? Remember, David's been anointed as king already by Samuel. And uh, I'm sure Eliab thought, hey, that should have been me. I'm the firstborn. I should be the one getting this. Uh, maybe he thought David's music loving and hanging out with the sheep didn't qualify him for being a soldier. Maybe he thought his religious piety had no place on the battlefield because David evidently loved the Lord. He was all the time writing and singing psalm, most of the psalms that were written by David, probably while he was tending his sheep. And so uh, I'm sure Eliab was probably jealous that David could play and was called into Saul's uh, confidence to be able to go play for him. But whatever the reason, Eliab, as you can tell, is jealous. And David said to him, what have I done now? Basically, David's saying, all I've done is ask a question. I just wanted to know what Saul had promised to do to the person who killed this guy. He said, was it not but just a word? But notice how David responded. He turned away from him and went towards another and spoke in the same way. And the people answered him as he did before. What does the Bible say about anger? The Bible says in Proverbs, a soft answer turns away wrath. Now let me just tell you, how many of y'all have siblings? All of y'all have siblings? My brother would have done something like that to me. We'd have probably had it out right there. But notice David, he just didn't, he just almost didn't pay any attention to what his brother said. He just simply asked, said, hey, all I did was ask a question. And he turned and just walked away from me. Uh, that was probably the wisest thing that David could do. And we'll see David's uh, wisdom as he comes in the presence of Saul in just a minute. So David has got up that morning. He's been tending sheep. His dad has sent him on an errand to go. When David woke up that morning, he had no idea he was going to be a hero that day. He simply was going about the task that God had given him to do, that his father had asked him to do. He was simply being an obedient son. You know, sometimes God chooses us for great things. I know that God can do more in, a, in just a matter of a few minutes through our lives than we can do in a lifetime serving Him. David was simply in love with God, obedient to God, obedient to his father. And it really, it really irritated him that any person would defy the armies of the living God. Now, one of God's names is the Lord of hosts. He's not Lord of just the armies on the earth. He's Lord of the armies in heaven, right? 
And we know from Scripture that a lot of times God would use one angel to go destroy 300,000 people in, on the day of battle. So God could have destroyed the, the whole Philistine army just in a matter of a second if he'd wanted to. But sometimes God chooses to work through people like you and me. One of the lessons I think that we need to learn from the life of David is he was prepared when the moment came. He couldn't have decided that day, hey, I better get prepared because I'm getting ready to go into battle. He was already prepared. His heart was prepared because he had spent time with the Lord. If we want to be used mildly of the Lord, I think one of the things that we need to learn is we need to spend time with God. We need to let God work through us. We need to be so attuned to His voice that when He says jump, we say, Lord, how high? Bible says in Isaiah, I think it's chapter 30, verse 21. I'm not sure about the reference, but in that part of the scripture, it talks about how the people will hear the voice of God behind them saying, this is the way, walk ye in it. And I think we need to be so in tune with the Lord that we hear his voice. And when he calls us, we need to obey whatever it is he asks us to do. Verse 31, it said, When the words that David spoke were heard, they repeated them before Saul. And he, Saul, sent for him David. And David said for Saul, Let no man's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. David, very humbly, saw himself as being Saul's servant. Notice he didn't say, Saul, if don't let your heart fear. He didn't say that, did he? It was uh, almost an indirect in run around. He didn't want to call the king fearful because really Saul should have gone out to the battle, guys. He was God's king. He was anointed by God to lead Israel into battle. Uh, that's what kings did. And that's what Saul should have done. But the Bible tells us that Saul had gotten on up in years. Uh, you know, you get a little bit cautious when you get older. I remember some of the crazy things I did when I was a kid. I could climb like a monkey, and I did. And, uh, you know, I get up. I used to climb up on the top rung of a ladder and stand up and do whatever I wanted to do and then climb down. I had great balance. And, you know, if I fell, I could just jump off. Uh, if I did that today and jumped off, I'd hurt something, uh, you know. Uh, in fact, I don't know that I could get my balance enough to even get on the top step of the ladder. You know, I remember jumping off roofs when I was a kid, you know, of people's housetops. I wouldn't jump off a roof right now. I'd break every bone in my body if I tried that. Uh, you get a little bit wiser and a little bit more cautious as you get older. But this was not the time for caution. God's people needed a champion. And David saw this Philistine as defying the very God of all hosts, the Lord of hosts, the Lord of heaven's armies is the way it's sometimes translated. And it bugged David. But David was not smart eloquently about it. He, he didn't try to, you know, really, he, I mean, he could have just walked in and said, King, if you weren't so fearful, don't worry about this guy. I'm going to take care of him. But he didn't do that. He said, if anybody's heart is going to melt with fear, don't let it happen because I'm your servant. I'll go fight the Philistine in battle. Verse 33, And Saul said to David, You're not able to go up against this Philistine to fight him, for you are but a youth, 
And he has been a man of war from his youth. I'm sure Saul had, David had heard Saul's exploits in battle, those kind of things that when they talked about the kings, there were people that would go around singing about and writing songs about kings who had gone into battle that had won a great victory. I'm sure David had heard all of those. Maybe he had even written some of them. We don't know. But can you imagine you looking up to somebody, your hero, and them telling you, you can't go do this. You're just not able. That must have crushed David's spirit, don't you think? Do you think it must have crushed his spirit to know maybe one of his idols that he looked up to didn't think he was able to go into battle against this man? Verse 34, But David said to Saul, Your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And when there came a lion or a bear and took a lamb from the flock, I went after him and struck him and delivered him and delivered it, the sheep, out of his mouth. And if he arose against me, I caught him by his beard and struck him and killed him. Your servant has struck down both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, for he has defied the armies of the living God. David was absolutely certain that this uncircumcised Philistine was not any different than any wild animal that he'd already killed. Besides the point, he had defied God. Not only did when he defies the armies of God, he's defying God himself. He was profaning the name of God and the people of God, Israel. And so David knew when he went into battle that the Lord would go with him into battle. Saul said to David, go and the Lord be with you. You know, I've wondered as I read that particular, you know, that's almost like one of those things, uh, you know, when somebody's getting ready to go and you say, God bless you, you know, something like that. I wonder if it had any meaning for Saul at this point. He had walked away from the Lord. He turned his heart away from God. And it was almost like a cliche when he said, oh, the Lord be with you. Maybe he meant it more than that. We just really don't know. that The text really doesn't tell us. But a person who is not following the Lord, you wonder how deeply they believe when they say, the Lord be with you, if, if they really expect God to, to help that person or not. We just really don't know. But it kind of, I kind of think that Saul in this particular situation, that he just said something because that's what he was supposed to say. It's kind of like saying, good luck to David. Uh, then Saul evidently was impressed enough with David and his desire to go into battle that he even trusted David with his armor. Now, that's a serious thing back during that day and time. You didn't give somebody else your armor because you never knew when you were going to need it in battle. Uh, so you would not loan your armor, to, especially the king wouldn't loan the king's armor to anybody. Of course, the problem was, uh, you know, Saul was a 52 long and David was a 40 regular and it just didn't fit. He said it was too cumbersome for him. He had never been into battle, never used armor, didn't, you know, the armor was too big for him. And so he finally took the armor off and gave it back to Saul and headed to the battlefield. Uh, David said in verse 39 he strapped his sword over his armor and he tried in vain to go for he had not tested them then David said to Saul I cannot go with these for I have not tested them so David put them off he took a staff in his hand 
and chose five smooth stones from the brook and put them in the shepherd's pouch. His sling was in his hand as he approached the Philistine. And the Philistine moved forward and came near to David with his shield bearer in front of him. So you got this huge guy that's nine foot nine. He's got a shield bearer. He would, would take a shield that's probably body length. Probably the only part of Goliath that David could even see was his face and his helmet, that part of him, because the shield went the length of Goliath's body. So he couldn't have thrown it, shot an arrow. He couldn't have thrown a spear and hit Goliath because it would have hit the shield and bounced off. And so really David had one place that he could aim for. It was Goliath's head. Look what happened. And the Philistine moved forward and came near David with his shield bearer in front of him. In verse 42, it says, The Philistine looked and saw David. He disdained him, for he was but a youth, ruddy and handsome in appearance. Goliath mocks David. He probably says, you know, you know how... You ever watch people, you know, one of the reasons why I don't watch too much pro football anymore is because they're always jawing back and forth at one another. I can imagine that's what Goliath's doing to David. Uh, he's trying to put fear in his heart. He's trying to say, hey, you little pipsqueak, there's no way you're going to even touch me. What do you mean coming to me out here? Uh, you don't even have any armor on. You don't have a spear. You don't have a sword. What are you going to do? And so in verse 43, And the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his gods. The Philistine said to David, Come to me and I will give you your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Notice, notice what David says. Then David said to the Philistine, You come to me with a sword and with a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts the God of the armies of Israel, whom you have defied. And this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand, and I will strike you down and cut off your head, and I will give your dead body to uh, bodies of the host of the Philistines this day, to the birds of the air and to the wild beast of the earth, that all the earth may know that there is a God in Israel." You remember how everybody else had responded to Goliath? They responded with fear and they cowered and they left. They actually abandoned the field of battle whenever Gath would come out. That's how scared they were. They, they couldn't even face him with a whole army of people. Every one of them were scared and they ran. What did David do? David didn't even have any armor on. All he's got is a shepherd's staff and a few stones in a pouch and a sling. That's all David has. Now, you know what I'm talking about when I say a sling, right? Not a slingshot. I used to have one of those that my grandfather made for me. He whittled it out of wood and, and put it together, and it was fun to have one of those things. Sling is one of those things that you, you put a rock in a pouch, and you swing it around like this, and you have to let it go at the exact right moment. You let go of one side so you can hold on to the sling. But you've got to let it go at the right moment so the stone goes in the right direction where you want it to go. Now, how would you do? Would you go up to Goliath with just a sling with a bunch of rocks and him having shield and swords and javelins and all kinds of stuff like that and armor and everything else? I think most of us probably would not have. But David was going to him not in his own strength. 
Notice what David said. I come to you in the name of the Lord, and the Lord is the one that's going to get... I'm not going to win the battle. God is going to win the battle, and He's going to get the glory because you've defied the armies of the living God. And so, you know the rest of the story. Verse 48, When the Philistine arose and came and drew near to meet David, David ran quickly toward the battle line to meet the Philistine. And David put his hand in the bag and took out a stone and slung it and struck the Philistine on the forehead. The stone sank into his forehead and he fell on his face to the ground. So David prevailed over the Philistine with a sling and a stone and struck up the Philistine and killed him. And there was no sword in the hand of David. So David ran and stood over the Philistine and took his sword and drew it out of its sheath and killed him and cut off his head. When the Philistines saw that their champion was dead, they fled. And the men of Israel and Judah rose with a shout and pursued the Philistines as far as Gath. David won a great victory because he went into battle, not with his own ability. And yet David was prepared, was he not? I mean, you don't just go out and sling a sling and hit something, much less hitting exactly where you're aiming. But David had practiced... I'm sure every day with that sling. He had to be good because when the lions and the bears and all those people would come, or those animals, wild animals would come to steal the sheep, he had to be able to fell them with one stroke or his life was, was forfeited. You didn't get a second chance when you are got a lion or bear coming towards you. And so David came. He was prepared for that moment. But make no mistake about it, David did not go into battle relying on his own abilities. He went into battle trusting God. God honors our faith, not our abilities. David was intimidated by Goliath. You ever faced a giant and been intimidated? Maybe it's an illness. Maybe you've experienced financial difficulties. We have all kinds of giants, don't we, that we have to face sometimes. How do we deal with it? Well, I hope we deal with it by trusting in the Lord because He's the only one that can give us the victory. We need to remind ourselves that we can do all things through Christ who strengthens us. No matter how difficult the situation is, the Bible says that God, will, as I talked about Sunday, God will meet all of our needs according to His great riches and glory. God will meet us at our point of need. God can use any person that is willing to walk in faith with Him to make a difference in this world. You don't have to be somebody. You don't have to be a big music star. You don't have to be a big business executive. You simply have to be usable. You have to be somebody that trusts in God and follows His leadership. So let me just kind of finish up by listing a few uh, lessons. First of all, facing giants is always intimidating. If we look at things from a human standpoint, it will always be hard. Doing battle is a lonely experience. Even David's own brother gave him a hard time about going into battle. Nobody else went with him, you noticed. 
because they were all back there cowering in fear. David went by himself, but he didn't go by himself. He went with the Lord, of course. Uh, but doing battle with our enemy is sometimes a lonely experience. Sometimes there's not anybody to stand with us. Now, the great thing about having God's family and being a part of God's family is you've got people here that will stand beside you when you have these giants that you face. That's the one reason why the church is so important. We can help each other by carrying one another's burdens. And that what the Scripture says we're supposed to do. Thirdly, trusting God is a stabilizing experience. We don't have to fear if we're trusting in God. Fourthly, winning victories is a memorable experience. Think about the times in your own life when you've won a great victory over maybe a temptation or maybe a giant that you were facing in your life and you won a great victory, not because of who you are, but because of who God is and because of what He's done in your life. I think the greatest lesson that we can learn from this passage of Scripture is faith is the victory. Faith is the victory, as the hymn writer says, that overcomes the world. I hope and pray that you and I always live and walk in faith and trust in God. The Bible tells us we don't need to fear what men can do to us. There's only one person that we really need to fear, and that's the Lord. And so I pray as you go through this week, I pray that you don't give in to fear. I pray that you trust the Lord and find strength to run your race wherever that is, whatever God calls you to do. Let's go to the Lord in prayer.